From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three. Smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides into the dogs have won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. <laughs> They're all here. Inside. The Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show. Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Today's guest, college basketball coast-to-coast host, T.J. Reeves. You can find that college basketball coast-to-coast podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast, and we talk March Madness galore as T.J. Reeves joins us for the Press Box Podcast. Great to be with you guys. Great to be talking on a Monday that we have live action still coming in the NCAA tournament. This These should be national holidays. We got eight more games coming, and the tide is involved, and we've been talking all about it on College Basketball Coast to Coast. The show streams on TuneIn. It's in podcast form. Some rascal named Chris Stewart graced me with his presence coming on this weekend. I don't know if we if we gave the Tide some Champa Bay mojo from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, uh, but they they got it done. So I, I was happy to assist if we gave just you know one little degree of help for Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide. And I am looking forward to seeing what they can do in that matchup later on tonight. So it's great to be with you guys. And, and man, if we haven't gotten enough basketball already, it's easy to get back in the groove on Monday when we've got eight more games coming today and tonight. Yeah, eight more games, TJ, and eight more uh, matchups that in some cases are very surprising and others maybe not so much. But I want to start with Alabama and, and Maryland and don't know how much, if any, of the Maryland matchup you got a chance to see in their game with UConn, but a bit of a surprise in that one. I know it's not a big disparity when you've got seven versus ten, but still a UConn team that a lot of people thought could give Alabama a big run for its money, and now it's Maryland who I think still fits in that same category. Well, and they they are good on offense, and boy, was Ayala really good on offense for them the other night against UConn. And, and who knew with the, all the hits that the Big Ten is taking left and right from Ohio State and Illinois both going down early that, that teams like Rutgers and Maryland, who've been in the Big Ten for about 15 minutes, are having to fly the flag for the Big Ten in the, in the marquee game uh, tonight. But, uh, I mean, honestly, 
they, uh, they're going to have the same challenge that everybody has against this Alabama team, and that is you have so many different guys that can score on the offensive end. Maryland hasn't seen something like that, and I, yeah. I think there's, there's some merit uh, to that, that in the Big Ten, yes, you have talented NBA-caliber players, but there's nobody in the Big Ten that has four or five guys uh, spotting up out on the perimeter that can all make three-point shots, et cetera. So that's going to be a real challenge for them. And I'm kicking it back over to you guys because one of the things that we're talking about is John Petty, and is he going to finally have a breakout game? He is in some kind of funk. I don't know what's going on. Chris has got more insight. Is this a night where John Petty looks like the John Petty first-team All-SEC player? I think that's one of the big question marks, and I have a feeling he might be ready to unleash tonight in Indianapolis. Well, I'll put it this way. I, I've got no clue if he'll unleash, but I will tell you this, that it, and, and I talked about this early in the show, uh, TJ, the fact that he has developed so much as a player that he can still be relevant on a night when the shots weren't falling, and, and it was bad offensively from a, from a percentage standpoint. But he still wound up with 10.7 boards and something that's really big in NATO's system is what they call the blue-collar points. Deflections, hustle plays, all of those type things. That, sure. that it's, it's not an arbitrary selection. It's not a participation trophy. It's, it's one that you have to earn mathematically with the formula that's set up. And he won that after the game. So from a fan's perspective and the casual observer – just looking at it, he's had a terrible game, and there's no question the shooting numbers were off, and they need those to be better. But he still managed to contribute in a major way, and I think that's why it's not as big a concern as it would have been, well, certainly as it was four years ago when Alabama was last in the NCAA tournament field, because if he didn't shoot well, Bama had no chance, and he was irrelevant. Um, That's not the case with him anymore. So I, I think you'll see. I, I think you saw him contribute even on a night when he didn't didn't play well or shoot it well, I uh, would more accurately say. But I do think he'll shoot it better in this one. And on the days that he does, Alabama's a very, very tough out. All right, so let's, let's go this way with you. Um, from, uh, from, from the 30,000 feet perspective with this, the SEC and its reputation – to this point, does anything more need to be done? Do both Alabama and LSU need to advance in order for them to be still considered in the um, among the top four basketball leagues that are out there? Or is one carrying the banner to the Sweet 16 enough to get that done? Well, sure, that's going to be one of the knocks. But again, you had about 57 Big Ten teams in, and and right now they are dwindling down, hoping big time that Michigan is able to come through. And that LSU matchup is going to be tough because, again, the the Tigers, and you guys saw them uh, three times, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide did uh, this season. They're long, they're athletic, and, and Michigan damaged goods without Isaiah Livers. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to play this weekend was not able to play in game number one. He's an outstanding guard forward. So they are undermanned to a degree. Uh, that's going to be a fascinating matchup, but you're right. I mean, Florida takes the exit to Oral Roberts. Tennessee takes the loss to Oregon State, although that doesn't look that bad right now because Oregon State was great last night in the Sunday night late game with Oklahoma State. 
So there's not a lot of shame in losing to a team that's going to keep rolling the way that Oregon State has since the Pac-12 tournament when they won three games in three nights to uh, to to make the big test. I mean, how about, first of all, you can't say the name without chuckling. We're all saying this. Wayne Tinkle is the coach. And first of all, he's built like a defensive lineman. So you don't want to mess yeah. with him to begin with. But Wayne Tinkle was likely fired with three weeks to go in the season. He's at odds with the athletic director. They haven't been very good. And lo and behold, they have turned it on at the Pac-12 tournament, won three games, beat Tennessee, beat Oklahoma State last night. Is Wayne Tinkle looking at a contract extension now for Oregon State? This is why this time of the year is so fantastic where teams can put it together. But back one more time to the whole point about the SEC. I mean, did anybody really believe that Conzo Martin was going to outcoach Lon Kruger at the end of the Missouri-Oklahoma game? Show of hands. I didn't think so. Nobody's hands up uh, on that. Uh, you look at an SEC that didn't have Kentucky in the tournament because they had a bad year throughout the year. Florida loses to Oral Roberts. But still, if Alabama, who's been the, the top team in the conference, comes through with a win here over Maryland, then all the, all the dynamic uh, switches again to who's going to stop Alabama here down the stretch of the season, especially if LSU possibly pulls an upset at the top half of the bracket here with Michigan. T.J. Reeves, you've covered a lot of Final Fours. I want to ask you about your bracket this year. What's one you picked and still alive that you're very proud of? Or do you have one this time? There's so I many see, double. I, I do not want to talk about the right side of the bracket, just like everybody else. The top yeah. and bottom on the right side, it looks like a, a Bama roadmap with all the red lines through it and all the squigglies. It's ugly. It's ugly for most of America. Uh, it's funny that my tw- I, I slide them in any chance I get. My 12-year-old twin daughters are now into this and picking the games, and they were in uh, incredulous hysterics, uh, throwing things last night at some of the losses they were taking. And I said, girls, this is the rest of America that we're all losing Illinois and losing Ohio State and losing all the, the important teams. So uh, everybody's bracket, I think, is blown up on the right. I think everybody believes that Gonzaga is going to emerge. I have one twin, by the way, that does have Alabama winning the whole thing. So Riley Reeves is very popular on the press box here and with your audience right now that she yes. picked Alabama from the jump here so she's rooting hard uh for the tide so yeah it's been a great tournament i mean abilene christian that's going to play later tonight who who had abilene christian against ucla for a spot in the sweet 16 but that's what we have that is reality uh you have the ohio bobcats as a 13 seed with a chance to get in the sweet 16 we have already oral roberts as a 15 seed in the sweet 16 it's just what makes this tournament great um, it's, it's where the, the little guys, the lesser knowns become well-known in a hurry in this tournament. And it's been a lot of fun. And it's neat in some of these States where the blue blood's out and their step sister, step brother, the, the, the lesser known <laughs> is still alive. Illinois, uh, Loyola, Chicago knocks out wow. Illinois. And then you got Ohio still alive with Ohio state and the Buckeyes already putting their stuff in mothballs. Well, and it's a great point because one of the twins is looking at her bracket and she goes, wait a minute. Ohio is still alive. And I'm like, no, no, Ohio state is who lost. This is Ohio university, different school. (laughs) We got to keep that straight. Uh, Yeah. Who had the Ohio Bobcats potentially alive to the sweet 16, but not Ohio state who had Loyola Chicago that has probably one tenth of the budget that the university of Illinois has certainly doesn't have the, the recruiting capability that the university of Illinois has. And yet, they are now in the Sweet 16, and the Illini are at home. 
And, and while we're talking about things, you guys know this with Nate Oates a couple of years ago, parlaying a sweet 16 with Buffalo into the Alabama job. Nate, uh, Nate did it, did it right. And now Porter Moser right after him with a final four, three years ago, and now two wins here over Georgia tech and Illinois, his agent was lighting cigars last night, whoever and wherever his agent is, because whether he's staying there or going somewhere else, he's going to have millions plural added to his deal wherever he ends up. What a great job by Loyola, Loyola Chicago. TJ Reeves is with us inside the press box on a Monday. Uh, I've told uh, Mike Grace about this. Uh, Chris, I don't think you've heard this story. TJ, you may want to have him as a guest as well. You know how uh, the schools, Alabama has the SEC Network crew and the production staff. We have an ESPN Plus production crew and staff that do all the telecast. And Anyway, uh, the uh, assistant director, uh, Kyle Samuel, heard about this thing where you take 64 eggs you go buy, which it's not that expensive to do it. You take <laughs> eggs out of the carton. You write the name of every team. The, the, some law of physics or whatever says when you collide two eggs evenly, one will always survive. They never both break at the same time. I was like, that can't be right. He said, no, no, it was true. We made a bracket, and, and he, he stole the idea. It's not like it was his idea. <laughs> but he said, we wanted to see who would win our bracket. So they made 64 eggs. How are they doing? Up, how are the eggs? Guess he, he walked in my office two days before the tournament started and goes, this is a lot, bunch of crap. Our bracket's dead before it starts. We got Oral Roberts winning the whole thing. <laughs> he's, he's further than he thought he'd be. Yeah. I'm like, so we, we may get him on the, on the show. They're still alive with their egg bracket because Oral Roberts had the divine intervention with oh. the, uh, the chicken embryos. Well, uh, you got to love it. However you do it. I saw the one uh, on social media where the dog, there's a dog somewhere that on um, my days run together on Friday, Friday, the dog going to different dog bowls, different types of foods to pick games with team names on the different foods. The dog went 14 for 16, picking games that way, including upsets on the first Friday. So it just shows you anything can happen in this tournament. And back to that Oral Roberts, uh, situation again they they've been in turmoil they had a president resign because of a scandal they have very little funding but they have put it together with paul mills a former baylor assistant as the head coach and, and here's what's scary they outplay ohio state when it mattered they outplay florida down by 10 sunday night against a good florida team and they didn't shoot the ball well really in either game they hit some key shots how scary is it that you're a 15 seed and you knock off a Final Four favorite Ohio State and a solid Florida team, Chris, that you saw earlier this year as well, and you didn't necessarily play your best game. That says a lot for Oral Roberts and the job that they've done. Just great stories uh, that are coming out of this. I mean, I'm looking forward to Abilene Christian, which has only been Division One for five years, the Texas uh, Giant Killers. They knocked off the Longhorns. They play UCLA. One of the all-time Godzilla programs is playing Abilene Christian. Welcome to the NCAA tournament. We love it, guys. It's it's crazy stuff. What's the guy's name that was an Abilene Christian forever ago? He's a former Texas coach. Was it Abe Lemons? Does yeah, that, that might name be right. sound right? Uh, on that. I, Again, I, Abilene Christian was a D2 power, to your point. They were, a D, they were an yeah. NAIA national champion. They were a D2 national champion, and they, they made the move to Division One about nine years ago, 
uh, and had to sit for four years in Division One, ineligible to go to the NCAA tournament. They're in a, a probationary period, an evaluation period. And Joel Golding is the coach who has been their coach the entire time. They made the tournament two years ago as a 16 and lost to Kentucky. But, I mean, they have been coming on down the stretch of the season. I, I believe they won like 14 of their last 15 games, including the conference tournament before getting into the big one here. And they, they won a grinded-out game. Chris, you talk about hustle plays and, and different metrics on contributing to the game. They, they count on taking the ball away, disrupting the other team and turnovers out of over 330 Division I teams. Abilene Christian is number one, numero uno, in causing the opponent turnovers. And you look at the end of that Texas game in the final five minutes, they took it from them over and over again, stopped them over and over again. Again, it's not sexy. It's not highlight dunks or three-point shots. But what a great job Joe Golding has done with that program to get them into prominence. And they are 40 minutes away from beating UCLA. Are you kidding me? And being in the Sweet 16 if Abilene Christian can pull it off. Well, and the great thing for them is they ain't got to beat John Wooden in, <laughs> in UCLA. I mean, Lou Alcindor ain't walking through that door. Uh, Amen. Or Bill Walton or any of the other great players they had. But still, no, they, they've been impressive uh, in yeah. their wins to this point over Michigan State and Brigham Young uh, that, that both have size, physicality. But this, this Abilene Christian team's got two or three big bodies. And, boy, you talk about an all-time story. I mean, I've been, I've been joking about this, doing the Alabama football games to kind of cross over sports, that Devontae Smith's never going to have to buy a meal ever again in the state of Alabama anywhere that he goes. Um, with the plays that he made all throughout this 2020 football season, Heisman winning season, national title winning season, the kid at the foul line for Abilene Christian the other night with the game on the line, down by oh my one, gosh. right out of Hoosiers, which Chris is in the yeah. Hoosier State and did a game in Hinkle Fieldhouse. I love you, brother. But right out of Hoosiers, the kid goes to the line. Joe Pleasant is his name. He's built like a tight end at six foot six and about 240 pounds because his dad is former NFL tight end Anthony Pleasant. And Joe Pleasant, a 52% foul shooter, has one for the tie, two for the win, with one second to go against Texas, and he makes them both. Joe Pleasant will never have to buy a meal in Abilene, Texas ever again. Epic stuff, guys, the other night. I, I got a minute with you. You have done, I believe, covered 18 Final Fours. You've done a ton of work. Uh, I know that as excited as people can tell you are just watching the tournament, it's different and it's disappointing not being able to be there. Oh, no doubt. But I, I have perspective here. I've gotten a privilege of being at so many of these. They have greatly restricted, and rightfully so, who can be there because of COVID-19, the guidelines, the testing. So I get to be somewhat of a fan and watch this just like everybody else here, and it is only going to get crazier tonight and next weekend, building to the Final Four in the same locale. So, yes, uh, I, I just I, I am so thrilled that we have this. I am, again, thrilled, and I will publicly say again that you, with all that you've been through, Chris, get to be there and get to be part of this. And I think it has a chance to be really special for Alabama. And here we go with eight more today. I got to charge phone batteries. <laughs> I got to get some more snacks. We got eight more games on a Monday. We have not had this in the modern era of the NCAA tournament. Eight games on a Monday doesn't happen, guys. So I am pumped. It's college basketball coast to coast 
Find it wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's TJ Reeves joining us here inside the Press Box Podcast. Catch our daily show weekdays on great stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. And, of course, we always would love to hear from you. Email us at PressBoxRadio1 at gmail.com. Again, PressBoxRadio, the number one, at gmail.com. For Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us here on the PressBox Podcast.